Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. We don't yet know exactly what these three objects were. But nothing, nothing right now suggests they were related to China's spy balloon program or that they were surveillance vehicles from other, any other country. We don't have any evidence that there has been a sudden increase in the number of objects in the sky. We're now just seeing more of them partially because the steps we've taken to increase our radars, to narrow our radars. When the U.S. military shot down that Chinese surveillance balloon earlier this month, it thrust into the spotlight an old concept that's received new attention, stratospheric ballooning. Well, we have DOD customers. Uh, you know, it's, it's a technology that is, you know, fantastic for doing all kinds of different remote sensing. You know, I talked about the, the, the ability to take different sized payloads into the stratosphere, but I think there's some other really important elements of operating in the stratosphere. You know, one of them is, is that you're five times closer to the Earth than the closest satellite, and so you can produce very high quality imagery. Uh, and with high quality imagery, you can create new use cases. You know, some of the things that we do are things like methane gas detection or you know, monitoring pipelines or you know, power lines and those kinds of things. Ryan Hartman is the CEO of Worldview, an Arizona-based company making stratospheric balloons, which it calls stratolites, to haul sensors and equipment high into the sky. Worldview works with the U.S. government and with a growing list of commercial customers, and the company is poised to also soon go public. In this episode, I speak with Hartman about balloon flight and the growing tensions in a part of the atmosphere that until now was perhaps overlooked. I'm Morgan Brennan, and this is Manifest Space. So I think let's start at the beginning. Let's talk a little bit about what Worldview is and what you do. Yeah, uh, well, we're a stratospheric ballooning company. We've been doing this for about 10 years now. Uh, we've done a, um, uh, close to 120 flights, uh, taking all kinds of different payloads and different things into the stratosphere. But when we talk about the company, it's important that we start with why we exist as a company, and that is that we exist to inspire, create, and explore new perspectives for a radically improved future. Okay, so um, so let's talk a little bit about let's talk a little bit about the technology. When we talk yeah. about stratospheric balloons. Uh, Americans, I think, certainly have a slightly better understanding of what that concept is than they did even just a few weeks ago. Um, but maybe just break down what specifically we're talking about and what that means in terms of applications. Yes. So stratospheric ballooning is, is not something that's new. It's certainly something that I think is uh, new in mainstream media as of recently, but uh, it's been around for decades now. Um, some of the very first stratospheric ballooning flights happened in the 50s. But what happens is it, it's essentially a gas balloon. It's a, it's a large balloon envelope that uses a lift gas, you know, primarily either helium or hydrogen. And in using that, that, uh, that balloon, you can take very large payloads uh, to the edge of space. And when we talk about 
the edge of space we're talking about uh, in the in the stratosphere, typically uh, around 100,000 feet. Um, you know, a lot of stratospheric balloon flights happen at 100,000 feet plus or minus 25,000 feet. And you can take very large payloads uh, into the stratosphere. We, at Worldview, we've taken a 10,000 pound uh, payload to 103,000 feet. Why? Why can you why can you take such large payloads uh, that far into the stratosphere? So what what's unique about stratospheric ballooning uh, is you know the the physics enable you to design the balloon around the size of the payload that you want to take into the stratosphere. You know, so you can make very large stratospheric balloons. Uh, we've manufactured balloons that are 17 and a half million cubic feet in size. So 17 and a half million cubic feet, that's the size of a football stadium. Essentially, you can put a football stadium on the inside of the balloon. And so you're, you're not constrained the same way you are with a rocket. You know, with a rocket, um, you know, to, to, to take larger payloads, you have to do, you know, some incredible feats just to be able to uh, to get a satellite or a payload into orbit, whereas with a stratospheric balloon, you're you're ascending at a very gentle pace, uh, and the physics are just on your side uh, in that you can always add more helium, you can always add more lift gas, uh, and manufacture the balloon to the size of the payload you want to take up. I'm still wrapping my head around a football a football field sized <laughs> payload. <laughs> or or a balloon, yes, is uh, it's that's quite extraordinary. Um, and so I alluded, I alluded to it before, but obviously there's a lot of focus on this, you know, Chinese uh, surveillance balloon that was shot down, and and that the Pentagon is now, you know, basically dissecting and 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 assessing as they recover the remains of it. Um, yeah. The U.S. government is also developing stratospheric balloons. Uh, are you involved in those projects? But we have DoD customers. Uh, you know, it's it's a technology that is, you know, fantastic for doing all kinds of different remote sensing. You know, I talked about the, the, the ability to take different sized payloads into the stratosphere, but I think there's some other really important elements of operating in the stratosphere. You know, one of them is is that you're five times closer to the Earth than the closest satellite, and so you can produce very high quality imagery. Uh, and with high quality imagery, you can create new use cases. You know, some of the things that we do are things like methane gas detection or you know, monitoring pipelines or, you know, power lines and those kinds of things. And there are obvious, you know, applications when you can produce very high quality imagery uh, for defense applications. You know, there are other things that are very unique to the, the stratospheric or to stratospheric ballooning. And that is, you know, if you if you have a system that's that's like ours, where it's it's navigable in the stratosphere, you can do what we call station keeping, which is essentially staying over an area for a very long period of time. You know, whereas satellites are orbiting the Earth, if you can stay over an area for a very long period of time, you know, you can you can watch what's going on. You can do things like what is known as pattern of life monitoring, you know, essentially understanding the movement of people and uh, the interactions of people in the area that you're, you're monitoring. Do we have, or do you have um, some of these types of balloons uh, up and, and deployed in parts of the world right now? Uh, all of our uh, work currently is done in the U S so um, you know, things that we're doing are, you know, 
for example, monitoring areas like the Gulf of Mexico, uh, the Permian Basin over southwest uh, Texas, you know, those kinds of things. But but uh, but that's it. So what is so what is the spread in terms of the portfolio and where your business is coming from? How much of it is uh, DOD or military related? How much of it is other government contract versus commercial? Yeah. So today, forty percent of our business is commercial. So you know, that's doing some of the the uh, uh, the work that I talked about with methane gas detection or power line monitoring, those kinds of things. Um, and then uh, I'd say another fifty percent of it is. Uh, U.S. military, U.S. Department of Defense, and then uh, the remaining 10% being um, uh, foreign governments. You know, when I, it, it's amazing how much uh, the business has grown at Worldview because I, I remember I remember a couple of years ago uh, speaking to the founder of the company, and at the time it was there. There was a focus on things like weather monitoring and also space mm-hmm. tourism. I know you still have a space tourism business. It's probably a very small piece of future business, um, but I guess walk me through that and 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 how this company has evolved in the last few years. Well, we've we've really spent a lot of time growing and uh, I'll say maturing our remote sensing business. So this is you know all about creating a a a technology and a platform uh, that creates value for our customers through the data that we collect. Um, and, uh, and that is a majority of the business that we do today. You know, there's always work that we're doing and weather monitoring. We carry weather payloads uh, on nearly every single flight to, to be able to provide you know, insights into what's happening in the stratosphere and what's hap- happening in the troposphere, the, you know, the lower uh, area in the, in the Earth's atmosphere. But in addition to that, um, you know, we, we do have uh, our sights on space tourism in the future. You know, one of the benefits of remote sensing and all of the work that we're doing in remote sensing is that we can mature the technology. We can ensure that the safe and reliable use of, of stratospheric balloons uh, before we start uh, uh, taking people up through space tourism offerings. Um, when is that going to happen? Do you have a timeline <laughs> yet? No, not yet. You know, uh, uh, Worldview is going public. Uh, we announced a, a merger with Leo Holdings uh, a little over a month ago. Uh, and so our focus is on uh, ensuring that the company's on a very strong growth trajectory uh, and that we get to cash flow positive, uh, and then we'll turn our attention to space tourism. So talk to me about going public. Why the decision to do it now and why to do it via spec? Well, you know, one of the things that we're excited about is, you know, similar to the conversation we were just having about, you know, the the public awareness of stratospheric balloons and the, you know, what what we like to term as the, the stratospheric economy, you know, we'll be the only company on uh, the New York Stock Exchange uh, that uh, that does this kind of work, and so it, it uh, we're excited about being able to bring it to the retail investor. We're excited about the capital that it brings into the business. Uh, in order uh, for us to grow. Um, and, you know, the question on why a SPAC, you know, there's a number of different ways for a company to go public. You know, we're at the, at the point now where we're right at the, the very forefront of a significant growth stage. Uh, and, you know, to go public via an IPO, we, we, we would need to be well into uh, um, that growth phase and, and be cash flow positive. Uh, a SPAC enables us to still go public and get access to the capital we need, uh, but do so while we're going through a growth stage. 
you know, so we'll be uh, a positive EBITDA business next year. Uh, we'll be cash flow positive soon thereafter. So we're, we're right at the very front edge of that. And so, you know, it makes it different than a lot of other SPACs in that we're well into revenue. We're, we're you know, a short putting distance from being positive EBITDA and uh, a short distance from being cash flow positive. Wow, I wasn't expecting I wasn't expecting you to say next year, um, but I guess it kind of speaks to the contracts and the work the contracts that are already in place and the work that you're already doing. Um, yes. What's growing faster, government contracting or commercial? Well, I think they're growing at, at about the same pace. It, you know, Morgan, the the you know what we have been seeing for years is uh, customers understanding the benefit of the stratosphere uh, and uh, the different kinds of capabilities we can bring to the table, and so. So, so, you know, it's not surprising to us that we're at this point and that we're growing. Uh, I think it's uh, we're just being able to, to ride the wave of, of awareness of uh, the, uh, the uniqueness of operating in the stratosphere. Um, I just want to wrap my head a little bit more around the business model. So, so the yes. fact that you can basically design a balloon for a customer specifications in mind and for mm -hmm. the use case in mind. Um, mm -hmm. Do you own the balloons and then it's almost like a service, the, the data that the balloon is generating? Or is it or is it that you design them, you manufacture them, you deploy them, you manage them, and then the customer owns it? Uh, so we're a data business. So think of us as just like a, a Planet Labs or a Maxar, you know, where we own uh, the fleet of stratospheric balloons and, and uh, the associated sensors. We collect data, we process that data, and then we sell that data to our customers. You know, there are other things that we do uh, for customers who want to do things like risk reduction of a payload before it goes into space. You know, one of the benefits of stratospheric ballooning is you can take a space payload into the stratosphere, test it, and then return it to the Earth with a, uh, uh, and, and collect some really valuable data just on the performance of that payload. But our primary business model is uh, is owning and operating our what we call stratolites. Uh, those are stratospheric balloons that that, that operate like a satellite, uh, collecting that data, processing it, and selling it to customers. Um, and so that and so then of course those one of those customers would be, for example, the DoD. Um, I, I noticed that you are partnering up with and working with Sierra Nevada. Uh, yes. on some DOD work as well. I mean, is it the same sort of potential business model as what we're talking about, or is that is that a different type of project altogether? No, it's it's exactly the same. So our partnership with Sierra Nevada enables us to um, you know, tap into the expertise that they have in different types of sensors, um, the great customer traction they have uh, around the world, um, and just really partner up in, in helping bring this kind of technology uh, into that customer community. You know, so we recently uh, worked on a UK MOD contract together. We won that contract, uh, and it just is an example of uh, the the partnership we have and uh, the the uniqueness of being able to to bring different types of payloads and different types of capabilities to governments around the world. You mentioned that ballooning has been stratospheric ballooning has been around for a while, and you know, looking back to the 1950s, how has how has it changed as the technology of the payloads has changed? Well, that's a great question, Morgan. So in the past, you know, stratospheric ballooning was was really a stepping stone to space. Uh, it was used to uh, you know, train. It was used to test technologies. 
uh, and those kinds of things. Whereas today, you know, companies like ours, you know, we're, we're creating the stratospheric economy where we're using the stratosphere to do things similar to how things are done in space. Um, and, uh, and that's a huge difference between then and now. You know, that before it was it was a stepping stone, you know, now it's the it's the it's the end of the journey, if you will. It is uh, it is where we're trying to get to to be able to operate uh, these systems. Now, that said, you know, the, the balloons themselves have matured and, and evolved significantly. Uh, the 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 design of the balloons is very different, you know, whereas before there was. Uh, primarily super pressure balloons, meaning these balloons were under pressure, whereas today uh, the balloons are all zero pressure uh, or primarily zero pressure, which makes them far more reliable and, uh, and, and enables us to fly for very long periods of time. The materials have evolved and changed. You know, the kinds of materials we use today is very strong, very robust, can withstand the very harsh environment of the stratosphere. Um, and all of that enables us to create an ecosystem of sensors uh, and, um, you know, the, the ability to stay over an area for a very long period of time or the ability to fly for a very long period of time, you know, it, it creates an entirely new industry around the types of sensors that, uh, that we can use in the stratosphere. How long is a long time? <laughs> well, our systems are designed to fly 45 to 60 days. Um, that said, there are stratospheric balloons that are designed to fly a year. Um, and, uh, um, you know, that's, those are slightly different missions or sl slightly smaller balloons, but nevertheless, you know, stratospheric ballooning, you know, the, it's, uh, it's very long duration flights, um, um, and being able to navigate just adds a, another level of, of flexibility and how you use that time in the stratosphere. This has just been fascinating. I so appreciate your time on this Thank topic. I, out of curiosity, I mean... Has have have you had more requests? Has has everything that we've seen playing out with the news cycle of the last couple of weeks um, brought more potential customers your way? It sure has, you know. Really? And, uh, yeah. Well, and and you know, as I mentioned, uh, um, you know, we're we're in the process of going public. You know, we've been talking to a lot of different customers uh, over the over the last you know six months, year, or whatever. Uh, but one of the things that we have noticed uh, and we have seen is. You know, certainly an increase in interest of, um, you know, what else can a stratospheric balloon be used for? But the other, the, you know, area of interest is, you know, I think investors are now realizing that the stratosphere is a contested domain. Uh, and it, uh, the fact that it's a contested domain means that uh, there's going to be additional investment into the stratosphere. Uh, and so that's the other area where you know, we're, we're seeing an increase in interest on what we're doing here at Worldview. Hmm. Um, just out of curiosity, do you have competitors either in the U.S. or I guess also just as important when we talk about contested domains, um, do other countries, do many other countries have their own stratospheric balloons? Well, there's only a handful of companies that, that do this today. You know, there's a lot of companies that have been researching it, certainly other uh, you know, foreign governments clearly have, have been uh, working in uh, uh, in this area in this domain, uh, but I think that number is con going to continue to rise. Uh, you know, there's tons of innovation going on uh, just in space as a whole, and I think one of the fringe areas that you're going to see a lot of innovation happening is in near space operations. 
you know, stratospheric ballooning is only one way to operate in the stratosphere. You know, Airbus for years has had uh, their Zephyr platform, a fixed wing platform to operate in the stratosphere. Uh, other companies have been doing similar things, you know, stra and stratospheric ballooning is just one of the ways to operate in the stratosphere. And so, you know, um, you know over the next five to 10 years, we're going to see a lot more companies uh, um, operating in the, in the stratosphere, just like, you know, a decade, uh, you know, um, over, over a decade, we went from, you know, a small handful of companies wanting to do commercial space. And today there are many hundreds, if not thousands of companies working in commercial space. Okay. Final question on this, um, especially on the commercial side. Uh, is this is this the type of product? Is this the type of data that you're generating? Is it something that um, your customers are buying in tandem with satellite imagery in the place of, or I guess how to think think about those two slightly yeah. different markets? Yeah, so we don't view ourselves as competing with uh, satellites, not at all. The reality is, is because we can produce very different imagery, uh, higher resolution imagery. It means it's brand new use cases. You know, you know, with a stratolite, you can see a power line, uh, and you can measure uh, the uh, the sag between two power poles. You can't do that with a satellite. You can see people um, from a stratolite. You know, whereas from a, a satellite operating in Leo, you can't see people, and so. Uh, so it's just new use cases and it augments satellite imagery. It doesn't replace satellite imagery. That does it for this episode of Manifest Space. Make sure you never miss a launch by searching Manifest Space wherever you get your podcasts and by following the Squawk on the Street podcast. For more on the space race, be sure to watch Squawk on the Street on CNBC. I'm Morgan Brennan. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.